Well, today is Father's Day, and um, so we're going to talk about fathers today. And if you're not a father, you can leave. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, one of the things I love about uh, Father's Day, I love Father's Day and Mother's Day, uh, not only because I love my mom and dad. Hi, Dad. Hi, Mom. I love you. <laughs> but is because um, it's just a, it's a good time to honor uh, the role of a mother and father in your life. And the Bible says, and my children should know this verse by heart, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you, that you may live long on the earth. So I always tell them, you know, the way you're going to live a long, healthy, happy life is by honoring your mother and father. And as you learn to honor your mother and father, you actually learn how to honor God, your heavenly father. So Father's Day is a unique opportunity to minister because um, you get to talk about fathers and the great father, the greatest father, the greatest example that any of us have is God our Father. So if you're a father here this morning or you're not a father, or if your father's still alive on the earth or your father's not alive on the earth, or if your father was a good example or a bad example... Our litmus test, our standard, is our Heavenly Father. So we're going to talk a little bit about earthly fathers, but we're going to talk a lot about our Heavenly Father and really how we um, relate to our Heavenly Father. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a real good um, message this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that is in, in your word, the power of your Holy Spirit, that he is here right now among us. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way. Speak to us. Father, we ask that you would open up your word, that you would unfold truths from your word that are pertinent to each and every life of each and every person that's here and that's listening. Father, we thank you that your word brings light into any dark situation, that your word penetrates, overtakes, and overcomes all the power of the enemy, that there's nothing that the devil could bring our way that your word could not release us from and that you have not released us from. So, Father, by faith this morning, we connect our faith with what you have done in your word, and we declare that we are free, that we are healed, that we are prosperous, and that we are redeemed. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's, let's start out this way. What is a father? Think, think to yourself and uh, think of what description, what idea you have of a father. And I'm not actually just talking about a dad, but a father. And to me, there's a big difference. You could actually be a male that has produced offspring, and you could not be a father to someone. And um, fatherhood in so many ways, as a father myself... Uh, one word that I would say could represent fatherhood very well is the word sacrifice. And so you find as a father, not just being a man that has uh, parented children or uh, what do you call it, produced children, but it's actually a role that uh, a man has to step into and has to decide to fulfill and has to sacrifice to fulfill. And we think of... Um, Fathers, some of, the, some of the things that I wrote down was you think of a provider. 
So someone that's going to provide for you, provide for your family, if you're thinking of your own father, a protector, someone that's going to uh, protect you, and, um, you know, a lot of these things I, I get not only from regular stuff that you can just think of, but, you know, you'll have, like, a big old thunderstorm or something come through, and if you have little kids, what do they do? Like, they just run to you, like, you know, I just want to be with you. I just want to be in the same room with you. Uh, it's a natural instinct to be protected uh, by your parents and many times especially by your father. Uh, strength, I think, is a word that you will uh, associate a lot of times with a father. A calm in the storm. So no matter what's going on, I want to be with my daddy. You know, I know everything's going to be okay if my dad's there. Like, I remember... Um, you know, in thunderstorms when I was growing up, uh, sometimes in the nighttime, my mom would come to our room, but I just felt even so much more protected when my dad was there. I don't know why that is. It might just be me. Um, but uh, there's something about a father uh, that's providing, protecting, um, and has a great strength. And the nurture sometimes of a father is not seen the same way as the nurture as, of a mother. And I heard a, um, a great Christian apologist one time, he said that um, if you look, especially at the United States, one of the biggest uh, gaps that we have right now, one of the biggest things that's lacking is real fathers. Uh, because he said, you'll see these, even these big old football players that make all this money and they'll get on TV and what do they say? Hi, Mom. Right? Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Nobody says, Hi, Dad. <laughs> Nobody says, Hi, Dad. And <laughs> what he said was, and I think it's very true, he said that the love of a mother is taken for granted. Like, of course, Mom loves me. Mom will love me no matter what. But the love of a father is actually not taken for granted. And the love of a father... Um, I should say the expressed love of a father will make the difference in a little girl or a little boy and how they view themselves and how uh, they live and what they do. Because what's really happening, he was saying, is the children, all they want is they want approval from dad. And they want dad to say, I'm proud of you. But mom, it's like she can say, I'm proud of you. And they're like, oh, that's cool, mom. That's great. But when dad says it, it's like, oh. And so <clears throat> many of us and many people in the world, most people in the world are actually seeking for approval. And the greatest approval we can have is from our heavenly father, from God our father. And so I want to look at two, first of all, at two very familiar passages of scripture. And that is uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. You have the Ephesians uh, <clears throat> prayers, which are some of the most, I think, significant prayers in the Word of God. And you could, there's a lot of things that I could pray for that you could pray for. You know, we're still, uh, you know, well, I don't know. <laughs> Let's say we're still looking for a house to put an offer on yet another house. But the, the house search is still there, you know, so you're still like honing in on where can you have a home. So, you know, we can pray about our house. You know, and we can pray about, you know, your job, financial increase in your job. You can pray about uh, friendships, relationships. But I think one of the, the most significant things we can pray is a spirit, spiritual, spirit-given prayer. In other words, this is a prayer 
given by the Spirit of God about spiritual things. Because really, when you get your connection with God right, and you get understanding from God and revelation from God, well, then all that other stuff kind of comes. That's kind of automatic. It almost reminds me, that's being a little cynical, it does remind me of Jesus when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So it's interesting that uh, two of the very significant prayers that we find in the word of God are not about stuff, but they're about um, knowing who God really is, knowing God intimately, and knowing God's stuff. And God's stuff is not like physical stuff, although he has lots of physical stuff. His streets are made of gold. But God's stuff is wisdom and revelation. And not just wisdom and revelation as a head knowledge thing, but wisdom and revelation as a spiritual thing, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so, as I, I might have mentioned last week, I was telling my daughter the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, she was, we were uh, on a little vacation on the beach, and so we were riding bikes. This beach, you can like rent bikes on this island and go everywhere. And so um, we were riding bikes, and she likes to be ahead. So she kept going ahead, going ahead. Well, there are streets that you cross, and there was a lot of people at this, uh, on this island. And so I, you know, we kind of had a rule that I was going to be in front, Melody was going to be in the back to protect the kids from the crazy drivers. And my daughter kept not uh, listening, and she'd like, go ahead and do this, and, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. And she kept trying to do it. And finally, I said to her, I said, uh, her name's Evie, and I said, Evie, I said, you are doing this the complete wrong way. I said, you're trying to do what we're saying. Like, you're trying to like, okay, okay, I'm going to do what's right. But in your heart, you still like want to be there. You're still trying to do this. I said, you have to change your heart. And then you don't even have to think about what you're going to do because you'll just do the right thing. And so she said, oh. And she changed her heart and she had no trouble. So, you know, I love that because it's such a good illustration for all of us. When you look at your own life, you're like, okay, wait, wait, I have to do this. And I got to get this in line and do this. And it's really a heart issue. And um, Jesus even told uh, Brother Hagin one time when he was talking with him, he said, I'll judge people quicker on attitude and motives than anything else. You know, quicker actually on, than physical sins. And so what is, what is your attitude? What is your motive? And so everything kind of springs forth from that. So when you get wisdom and revelation about who you are in Christ, and Paul says, like, our inheritance, like, w what we have because we are in Christ— when you start to see that, when I start to see that, then it starts to change how you think. And if it changes how you think and how I think, it actually changes then how you speak. If it changes how you speak and how you think, it actually changes your actions. Yeah. Speaking is one of the biggest actions you can do. Uh, but you'll, in financial matters, it's very evident. Uh, and people, most people are, at, there's all numbers of different levels that you could be at financially. So you have poverty, but you don't just have poverty. You have United States poverty versus like India poverty, right? Versus Mexico poverty versus, you know, poverty in Venezuela, you know, who's obviously having a lot of trouble right now, can't even hardly get food, um, versus poverty in Great Britain. And so even with poverty, you could say all these different levels. But you can look at someone in any society that may be, let's just use three because there's so many different levels of income. 
but you could have like poverty level and then um, mid-level and then, uh, well, let's do four, rich and then wealthy, right? So you, you can do those four levels. And when you look at someone making a decision about what to do about, uh, say, they have a house and a problem with their house that they have to fix, a maintenance issue, the reaction of all those people is going to be a little different, and the outlook's going to be a little different. And what you're choosing to do and how you're choosing to use your money, like I mentioned, we're looking for a house, so you actually have, like, you know, inspection process, so you pay for inspection. Well, if you're used to not having uh, a lot of finances, you're kind of like... Uh, going to have thoughts like, oh, I don't really want to pay for the inspection because it costs a lot of money. Well, if you're used to dealing with larger amounts of money and you know like, okay, this inspection is going to cost me $450, but the house is going to cost me $450,000, and it'd be a lot better for me to waste $450,000 than find out that I have a $30,000 problem, right? So it, it, it changes how you um, act, and what you do based on your understanding, your education, your wisdom in financial things. Same thing is true spiritually. So as soon as we see like um, who we are in Christ in just one area, you know, just to say new creature, as soon as you start to see I'm a new creature. I mean, I remember one of my uh, favorite uh, experiences that Brother Hagen had when he was growing up was he learned when he was born again, first thing he learned was I'm a new creature. So he would walk to school, and when he walked to school, he'd tell everybody that he met, I'm a new creature. And then they'd be like, well, what's a new creature? He's, so he'd start to explain to him. He'd like, he said he'd preach on the front steps and um, those type of things. But what did he do when he was first born again? He started believing and speaking what he saw in the Word. And then what did that do? That actually caused him to act differently. So he used to go with these friends, and they had, um, he had a real good friend. His nickname was Lefty. His real name was Clarence, but they called him Lefty. And so they had broken into this drugstore to steal candy. But he didn't actually break in. Uh, he didn't actually go in there. He just, he could always, he had two skills. He said, I could always tame any wild animal, and I could pick any lock. So he could pick the locks. So he picked the lock, and they went in and stole the candy, and he got the candy as well. And so his friend Lefty was talking to him after he was born again and said, hey, you remember that time we, we, we broke in there and did that? And he said, no. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, yes, you did. You're the one that picked the lock so we could get in there. And he said, that man's dead now. I'm a new creature. I've never stolen anything. Never involved anything like that. Well, um, you learn the best way to actually act on the word is to start talking the word and live the word through your life. So I, I like to work the word into my regular conversations. Now, when I say that, I don't mean I like to say, like, I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Like, people might look at you like you're a little odd, unless they're Christians. You know, then they might know. But, you know, like, yeah, I used to... Man, I used to do a lot of crazy things. It's amazing, you know, that I didn't die doing some of the things that I did, right? But uh, I got to know Jesus, someone named Jesus. And now when that happened, something happened on the inside of me, and my desires completely changed. Right? So you can, Christianity is supposed to be God showing up in our everyday life, not some... Um, 
theological, hermeneutical, exegetical, you know, speech. That's all the biggest words I could think of. But it's supposed to be like, that's what I love about Jesus. If we look at Jesus, just simple stories that a fisherman could grab hold of. So even I could get it. And I'm not a fisherman. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to fish. Uh, I took my family fishing about a month and a half ago. And I told my wife, I said, I feel like uh, uh, just very out of place. You know, because I said all these bubbas or out there fishing, and I'm like, huh. So my kids like to fish, though, so I'll go learn to fish. Yeah, you came with me, so you're not a bubba. And, um, but it's important for us to understand, like, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's important for us to get things from God that affect our daily lives, because it's a whole lot easier to live the Christian life enabled, empowered, and infused by his spirit, his presence, his nature, than it is to try to conform ourselves. Uh, really, you find out that you can't conform yourself, um, even being a Christian. <laughs> if you're trying to do it yourself, you, you, uh, your flesh seems to um, try to rise from the dead, you know. So let's read, uh, let's read this real quick. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Okay, uh, let, me, let me just say this, and then I'll continue to read. This is what Paul is praying, and this is the prayer that we pray, that we should pray. Uh, hopefully every day, but at least on a very regular basis, you should be praying it. And this is what God will do for you and what God will do for me, okay? Uh, He'll give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him or for acknowledging him. One translation says in the intimate knowledge of him. So we're not talking just like a, you know, the CEO of the company or, you know, the president of the United States. We're talking a closeness, uh, a real closeness. Um, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of our calling, what are the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints, what's the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power or the might of his power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that's named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Man, that is good news. When you realize the power that God has and the power that God is, that he placed us with Christ far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. So, I mean, he goes down the list. And there's not an authority, there's not a power that he has not placed underneath Christ and he's uh, seated us with Christ. So there's not a power that's not underneath of us. Well, this is, I mean, this is such an amazing passage of Scripture. But what I want you to go and look at is verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That is, and then you could read the whole thing again that I just read. That's a profound statement in in itself. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what I love 
is the part that I skipped over the second time was the father of glory. Okay, so think about what we talked about at the beginning, just some, just a few of the attributes of a father and the thoughts of a father. And, you know, even our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. But we look at God as our father. So this is not just God is going to give you this if you pray. This is your father is going to give you this if you pray. So think about, I don't know everybody's relationship with their earthly fathers. So think about, it could be your father, it could be a different father. Think about what you consider the most godly example of a father. So this is who you're going to ask this of. This is who you're praying to. You're praying to not God. You're praying to God, your father. So he's looking at you as a son, as a daughter. He sees you as a son or daughter. You are a son or daughter of God if you're a Christian, if you're born again. So we're praying that the father of glory, and glory, you know, do not have time to do a study on glory right now, but glory basically contains all the goodness of God, all the greatness of God, all that God is is contained in his glory. And so he is the father of glory that we're asking this of. And so Jesus said in talking about receiving the Holy Spirit after he left and sent the Holy Spirit back, he said, if anyone asks for bread of their earthly father, would he give him a stone or a scorpion? No, so would he give him something that was like, haha, I'm going to give you something. You can't do anything with this. It won't sustain you. It won't help you. Or even worse yet, I'm going to give you something that will kill you. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. And so Jesus is, is telling us we're to look at God as the ultimate father. And of course, we, you know, there's, I mean, there's more scriptures than what I have time to cover this morning about God being a father to the Christian and to the believer. And we're joint heirs with him. And even this verse talks about that our inheritance in the kingdom of God, our inheritance with Jesus Christ, because we are a joint heir with him, because God is our father. Okay, let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3 prayer. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the, my favorite translation of this is, um, I think it's Philip's translation, says, when I think of the greatness of this great plan, God's great plan, I fall on my knees before the Father. And so even in that right there, you're talking about going into the presence of God or into what we call prayer. And Paul is saying, by the Holy Spirit, so God is speaking to you and to me by the Holy Spirit, I fall on my knees not before God who's afar off, but I fall on my knees before my heavenly Father. I fall on my knees before uh, this um, person, a divine person, <clears throat> who has nothing but love for me, who has nothing but care for me, who has nothing but my best in mind. And I, I love, uh, actually, the Ephesians prayers and 1 Corinthians 13 are some of my favorite passages of Scripture that I read all the time, quote all the time, pray all the time. And when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, maybe it's because, you, you know, you're very aware of uh, sometimes your, your uh, faults or your, where you don't uh, measure up. 
after the flesh. And so a lot of times I read 1 Corinthians 13 and I meditate on it and I endeavor to let that love flow through me, which you should and I should. And if I do it more and you do it more, we'll all be more happy. <laughs> and everybody around you be more happy and everybody around me be more happy. But I, every so often I love to read 1 Corinthians 13 and I just say, when God shows love to me, he is patient. When God thinks of me, he is kind. When God thinks of me, he is tenderhearted. When God thinks of me, he's, not, he's never self-centered. So when I'm falling on my knees before my Father in heaven, I know he's not there. When I come to him, his first thought is not about himself, like, give me glory. Come on, come on. I'm the omnipotent one. Give me the glory. You know, I've been waiting for it. His first thought is, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I give to you? And so if you turn over to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 7, I like to read context, so let's start with verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. That's a series, isn't it? Yes, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Interesting total side journey, side note, that in order to be clothed with humility, you need to submit to one another, in other words, submit to each other. In other words, you're not like the, uh, and I'm not the uh, ultimate everything, everybody submits to me, and you know I have all the answers, and, um, but we submit to one another. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. <clears throat> casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Favorite translation is the Amplified. Uh, casting the whole of your care upon him, for he cares about you affectionately and for you watchfully. It's talking about how God cares for you and cares for me, okay? And we talk a lot of times, Philippians 4, 6, talks about do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will flood your hearts and minds. Uh, anxiety, stress, cares are, are a huge issue that most people, probably everybody has to deal with at some level in their life, that they're going to say, no, I'm not going to like grab hold of this and try to fix this myself. I'm going to give it to God, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Um, and uh, at different points in your life, it may be easier or harder for you to do that. Um, but the point for all of us is whether we feel like it's easy or we feel like it's hard, when you act on the word in faith, you get results. You get Bible results. Yeah. And when you act uh, opposite of the word and you try to do it yourself, you get results, non-Bible results. You get what you can do. And um, sometimes I've thought, you know, I can handle this a lot better than you can. <laughs> And uh, you find out super quickly, no, you can't. What are you thinking? <laughs> but you, that's not the subject. Casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. And so, you know, you don't want to go through life and live stressed and live anxious and live uh, just wore out because you're worried and concerned about all this stuff. But the Bible does not say, cast your cares on the Lord because you don't want to have a, a rough life or a terrible life or a sad day. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares about you affectionately. And so think of an earthly father, the best example of an earthly father that would match a heavenly father. 
How much would the earthly father want you or me or someone you know or someone that I know to go around carrying all these cares when he has the ability to take all of them and all the cares of everyone in the world? So the Holy Spirit said, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And that, that verse of scripture there, just like Melody and I were talking about it earlier this week, and it just like, oh, it just lights you up with understanding and revelation because you start to see that God cares for you. Well, listen, I've seen like Leah actually, she has, um, well, she, she will soon, but when she lived in Michigan, and she has plants, I think, at the house. But she's like, loves to garden. And she takes such great care of all of these plants and what she's doing in her garden. And if you know someone that's like a, a green thumb, if you know someone that's not a green thumb, it'll, <laughs> you could like see a big difference. I'm not going to mention any names. But anyhow, you can care for a plant or you can care for an animal. You can care for a child um, affectionately, watchfully, so that you're like paying attention to every little detail, every little thing. And you think of that the reason that he wants us to cast his cares on us is because he cares for us. Like he cares about what you're going through. He cares about how it makes you feel. He cares about what thoughts come to you. He cares about what experiences you have. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your finances. He cares about your family. He cares about your health. He cares, and he doesn't just care. He cares about you affectionately and watchfully. That means he's watching over you. I mean, if he knows uh, not only how many hairs are on your head, but he has a number for every hair that's on your head. And that detail, and if he cares for the lilies of the field and the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and how much more does he care for us? If he cares about you like that and about me like that, that means he's watching affectionately and waiting affectionately for you and for me to give him an opportunity to come on the scene. He's like, oh, I care for you so much. I love you so much. And I'm watching and I'm waiting and I want to take any care that tries to come on you. I don't want you to have any. I want to take it all and I want to take it all on me. So we find like, wow, the heart of our heavenly father and the love of our heavenly father really goes, blows your mind and blows my mind because there is not one hint of selfishness in his love. You know, I'm a father, and I'm not going to speak for any other fathers. But, you know, I have, believe it or not, I have been selfish <laughs> a time or two in my life with my children. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I do not want to, you know. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> uh, that would be embarrassing, so I probably shouldn't say it, but. just have like little boys and sometimes you have like pee accidents that happen and you're like trying to be real sweet and everything like that and then somehow you get pee on you <laughs> and uh you know <laughs> anyhow but God is never that way God will never pee on you God God is a caring, loving, perfect heavenly father who cares about you better than your earthly father ever did or ever would or ever could. You know, cares about my kids in better ways than what I could ever dream of doing. 
Now, he can give me lots of ideas and different things from him that will, like, multiply my fatherhood ability, you know, hundredfold. But still, I could never care for them the way that he can care for them. Now, I have a role and responsibility as an earthly father that I am to care for them. That, you know, one of the favorite scriptures is, you know, train up your child in the way he should go. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. And so, as he's talked about at the beginning, a father has such a great role in the life of a child that you can actually uh, prepare them for the future or not prepare them for the future. And they see even with uh, young, uh, not young, but any age, girls, that a father's relationship with his daughter actually is one of the main factors that determine whether she's going to have sex before she gets married or not and mess up in those type of things. Because her view of her relationship with her father transfers over to her view with her relationship with any man. And you find that how uh, the role that the relationship of the father has with the children affects so much in the life of the children affects the future of the children. Now, it doesn't mean that if you had a bad father or I had a bad father, that you couldn't overcome that by Jesus Christ. It just means that you kind of have to like then set aside the, the things that your earthly father did and receive the love of your heavenly father. And, you know, the heavenly father should be the standard whether you feel like you had a good earthly father or not. Um, uh, but when we come and we see God and we start to see how he sees us as his children, as, as his, as part of his family, it actually affects your faith, probably one of the deepest parts of your faith. Because if you understand that God is a loving father versus uh, an austere, high and mighty God that doesn't really care for the conditions of the lowly, your approach to God will be completely different, right? Like, would you go ask someone that is like, got their nose up a little bit and they're a little bit better than everybody else and you're not their class? Like, you don't match with their class. Um, would you go ask them for something that's like, for whatever reason, you ever had this where this is like, you're like, I know this is the most insignificant thing, but it's important to me but you think it's just so insignificant, you're not going to approach somebody like that. They're actually not even approachable. And you're going to feel like you're, you're not worthy, you shouldn't be there. And that's why I love in the Ephesians prayers, both of them talk about approaching a father, a, uh, a child approaching a father. Not a servant approaching a master. Or not an employee approaching an employer or not a student approaching a teacher, but a child approaching a father. And I love that. Uh, even talking about, you know, we talked about casting your cares. When you're talking about praying that prayer, you're not talking about going to a God that is far off, that is almighty, and he can handle anything. That's awesome, and that's true. But that God is your father. So now you're going to ask your father, who's a perfect father, who won't fly off the handle no matter what you did, who won't be taken off guard. <gasps> you came up with the sin I've never heard. <laughs> That's a new one. Gabriel, write that down in the book. <laughs> right? You're not going to surprise God. 
I mean, I mean, <laughs> sometimes we surprise our earthly parents, you know, and they're like, you did what? I, I read a joke, I, I read a joke this morning, and this, there's this son, 16 years old, and he goes to his father, and he said, you know, Dad, I'm going to um, leave. I'm leaving home. I met this girl. She's got tattoos all over her whole body. And, you know, we're just going to be wild together. And I'm moving in with her. And I'm so excited to do this. And, um, you know, my life's changed. I'm leaving you. And his dad said, what? What are you talking about? He said, ah, oh, I'm just kidding. He said, here's my report card. <laughs> Because he wanted to, like, diminish the significance of the bad report card. <laughs> oh, that's not so bad. Uh, he, he still got in trouble. <laughs> but, you know, um, God does not train us, and God does not teach us, and God does not relate to us and get us to do what he wants through uh, removing our self-esteem. In other words, through talking down to us. Uh, sometimes you'll see a parent and you have a child and you're wanting this child to do a certain thing. And like, you are, how could you be so stupid? Why would you act that way? Why would you do that? Why would you da-da-da-da-da, right? So you're like trying to make a change through enforcing the negative rather than speaking life and speaking truth and speaking positively of them. And um, different people, I'm thinking of a, a, a guy uh, right now, actually that same um, apologist. His father, his whole uh, years of growing up, that's how his father trained him and taught him. And that's how he formed him. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus taught him a whole different way. And Jesus said, you know, um, here, you can't do this. I'm going to give you this life. And this life, this zoe, this nature is actually going to accomplish in you what you need accomplished. And um, you just respond to that and your life will be completely different. And so when God sees us, he doesn't see us uh, in light of or in view of or with our failures in front of him. He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ expunged all of our sins, expunged all of our failures, expunged all of our inabilities, you know, to produce results, our inabilities to be able to um, stand in the presence of God, our inability um, to accomplish anything for God. You know, they say, like, sin consciousness is um, the inability to stand in the presence of God um, without the thought of weakness and failure. So righteous conscious or being conscious that you're right with God is the ability to go into the presence of God, but not just to go into the presence of God, but to go into the presence of God and not feel like you don't belong. Feel like, whoa, this is right where I should be. And like this morning, you could see like Joel during the worship going in the presence of his mother. This is right where I should be. <laughs> right? He doesn't feel like, oh, I shouldn't be, you know, uh, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but you see, like, sometimes we approach going into the presence of God in that way. So we're kind of like how we, as if you're here, I think everybody was here at that, at that point. So you might see this morning, you think, you know, you know, I went up and got him because I'm like, oh, no, he shouldn't be doing that, right? So my thought is like, well, he, he shouldn't be doing that. And a lot of, sometimes we'll come to God that way, like, should I really be here? Is this, is this proper protocol? Am I, did I do this the right way? Did I, you know, come with praise and thanksgiving and do all this and do all of that? And it's just actually a loving Heavenly Father who's like wanting to come in and... Um, we were talking about, you know, my office is at home, so my kids can come see me anytime they want. But they know, like, when I'm studying, they're really not supposed to do that. But I can't, like, I can't turn them away. Like, I don't know. It's just not in me. I'm like, oh. So I'll give them a big hug and a kiss and then say, okay, now I'm working. After that, I can. <laughs> but, like, when they're initially coming, I'm like, you know, oh, it's so good to see you, you know. And my wife's trying to, like, hey, you know, daddy's studying, you know, and uh, but they slip in or they'll sneak in. They wait till she's on the other end of the house. And then all of a sudden, I'll, I'll, hear, I'll hear the door go like this. And, and then uh, I know what's coming. And so, um, but I believe that God is way more that way. So that he's in his throne room. And he may be working on whatever business he's working on. But the second that you come in, you have his full attention. And he's like, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad to see you. Because he doesn't see you as a servant coming in while he's trying to get his work done. He sees you as a son or a daughter coming in to spend time with him. And how awesome is that? And how different is that picture? So as we look at our heavenly father and see that he sees us as his children and he relates to us as his children, and he wants to us to relate to him as a father, we'll actually um, jump forward in our relationship with him and our faith in him. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says, For this reason we also, from the day we heard it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled and full Deep and with deep and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition." We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance and forbearance with joy. Listen to this part. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us and made us fit to share the portion which is in the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. So that wonderful prayer that's in Colossians that you may walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every good work. The way you're doing that is you're relating to him as a father. You're connecting with him as a father, giving thanks to the father. So you're not doing all that and giving thanks to God. You're giving thanks to God, your father, 
So we're relating to him as a father. And, you know, I just listed, you know, three significant prayers in the word of God. But you can go uh, book after book, chapter after chapter, and find your father, your father, your father. So I encourage you this week as you read the word of God that you relate to when you're coming into the presence of God, relate to God as your father and see him as a father and see when you're, when you're you know, talking about sin consciousness and you're approaching God and you feel like, oh, like, am I going to be accepted or am I going to be interrupting or am I going to be this? It's the perfect example of a father, the perfect father that you're coming into his presence and he wants to take all of your cares. He wants to know what's going on with you. He wants to be involved in your life and my life. Um, and thank God, he's so much better at it than we are. You know, uh, stand with me if you would. With every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, I'd like you to uh, agree with me in your heart and repeat after me if you would. I'm going to pray a prayer uh, for us. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 7, talking about casting your cares upon the Lord, and then we'll close out. Uh, Heavenly Father, yeah, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you now. I thank you that you're my father. I ask you to give me wisdom and revelation and understanding of you as a father, as my father. And Heavenly Father, I give you all of my cares, all of my worries, all of my anxieties, all my anxieties. And, thank you and thank you that you want them, you want them because, you care for me. because you care for me and you don't want me to have them. So I give them to you and thank you for taking them, for taking them. in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen.